what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. In this episode of The Written Compass, I'm going to talk about the idea of standard English. See, as a business owner, we all come from a lot of different backgrounds, and we have a lot of variety in our language. Yet there's this pervasive idea of standard that we are supposed to abide by when we write an email, put a blog article out there, share something in writing. I want to talk about the flaws of that thinking and how you might be able to start to think differently and work differently in your writing, especially if you're writing a book. I'm excited you're here. Let's dive in. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of The Written Compass. Are you excited for today's episode? If you read the title of this, Flaws of Standard English, I am curious what showed up for you. Did you roll your eyes and think, oh gosh, do I have to listen to this? Did you start to crack your knuckles and say, yeah, bring it on. This is my jam. Or were you somewhere in between? Wherever you landed, I want to do a little bit of a dive into the ideas of standard English. So I want to answer a few questions. First, I want to talk about what is standard English? What is that concept? If you've heard of it before or not, we're going to get into it a little bit. Why should we care? Why is it important? Why do we need to even have a podcast episode about it on the written compass? And I want to talk about what, if any, you can probably guess I'm going to dive into them. But what, if any, are the flaws of insisting on ideas around standard English? So buckle up. Let's dive in. All right. So first, I want to talk about just the idea, this, the concept, the words standard English. So according to an article written by Tom Author called On the Origin and Nature of Standard English, it was published in 2003 in the World English's Journal. He says this, um, he talks about this, like the standard English idea, those words, appears to have become a thing kind of in the late 18th century. And it was not too long after the publication of, uh, in London, of Samuel Johnson's Dictionary of the English Language. If you have done any kind of history looking at uh, the history of the dictionary, then Samuel Johnson is who we attribute to. And the job of a dictionary is to capture all the things that are going on in the language. Well, shortly thereafter, in 1775, William Perry created another dictionary, and this one was called the Royal Standard English Dictionary. Now, this is all happening over across the pond. Um, So that one came out in Edinburgh. And what is the goal of these texts, right? Ultimately, they're trying to lay claim at this time to what should be adopted as the standard in using the English language. Well, just that concept alone is one that we can already start to poke some flaws at. See, English is what we call a descriptive language, meaning the textbooks and dictionaries are, their goal is to describe what the people are doing with the language. So we can already see a little bit of conflict here because these dictionaries are trying to standardize and say, this is what the language is, but English doesn't work that way. We have, if you've ever done any uh, studying of the history of the English language, I'm not going into that here, but we are a mishmash of lots of different languages, which is really fun and also why English is very difficult to learn for many people when it is their second language. But really what is going on here with this standard English idea 
is something that is really important to recognize. And I'm going to draw from a fun little snarky blog that I found by a guy named Tom Freeman. And he says this, and I'm quoting him directly. Standard English is one of many dialects of English. It's the dialect that public affairs, media, administration overwhelmingly use. And it is the one most associated with education, prestige, and power. Okay, so I'm going to focus on that word power in a minute, but I want to talk about what a dialect is. A dialect is a variation of the language. So for instance, I am from the South. I'm from North Carolina. My parents are from Eastern North Carolina and Western South Carolina. So we have a Southern dialect and North Carolina and South Carolina are actually really cool hotbeds for a variety of dialects from the coast to the mountains. So they actually, both of them have slightly different dialects. So I grew up with both of those dialects being presented to me. But I want to come back to that idea of standard English being a dialect. So a lot of times standard English gets presented to us as the language, right? Like how you're supposed to speak, the, the proper way to speak or to write. And this is where that second part of Freeman's quote comes in. It's one of the, uh, it's the language most associated with education, prestige, and power. So let's focus on that last part, that power part. See, here's the deal. Most of us don't use standard English. I have gone off (laughs) and used different dialects already so far in this podcast. So most of us don't use it, at least not all the time. And I'm here to say that is actually a good thing. Standard English has historically been a way to mark what is proper or correct. But the problem here, the flaw in this, is whose standard are we following? Who decides what is standard? And if I don't fit that, right, if I'm someone trying to get my message out in the world and I don't use standard English, it doesn't fit in that, then what am I supposed to do, right? So typically, those who are making the dictionaries, the school curriculum, the government documents, all those things that Freeman talked about, right, the dialect of public affairs, media, administration, power, prestige, education, the people who are making those things, who are in charge of those things, are the ones who are making the decision about what is standard, And that happens with the language. And so who has that been? Well, here in the United States, historically, that's been white males. And so if standard, the idea of standard is like, this is what kind of like everybody should do. But not everybody is a white male. So if the majority of the population is not matching up with the people who wound up creating these ideas of standard something's not right, right? How can those people be the ones who decide what is standard if they don't represent anywhere close to what is standard? And I want to talk about how we can start to embrace all dialects, all variations in the language, because they're beautiful. They're amazing. I want to learn about different dialects. I want us to read about them. I want us to know what is possible when we use them. So here's an example. I was saying earlier, my dialect, my most dominant dialect is a Southern dialect of English because I, where I was born, I was born in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I grew up there, but my parents have slightly different dialects, Eastern North Carolina 
is different than Western South Carolina. So for instance, this shows up in our vocabulary. So my mom might say, we better get to the store right quick. And my dad might say something about the weather being, it's a bit airish out. Because when you're near in the mountains, it's airish. That means it's a little chilly. Both of those dialects influenced me. And I love the fact that I can possess all of that. So I'm curious, and I'd love to hear from you, what is your dialect? Where do you come from? And what are some common things around that? And how can we start to look at those variations as what standard should be? Or if we just get rid of that idea of standard English, period. Because here's the thing. If I'm encouraging someone, like I do with my clients, to write their book, and they are butting up against this feeling of inadequacy because of their language, then their beautiful message is not going to be shared. Now hear me, we want to be able to read people's writing, right? This is not about um, letting anything go. A lot of people say, well, if we don't have a standard, then, then it's a free-for-all. And I really want to lean in and push back on that. It's not a free-for-all. It may require that we learn other dialects. We learn how people use words in different ways than we do. It's not about, oh, we just want anything out there that's not readable. We still want to be able to read it. We still want it to be polished. I always talk about like holding the reader's hand as you're walking them down the stairs of your book. We don't want them to stumble or fumble or have to reread. We want them to be able to follow us and understand us. But it's beautiful when I read a book that uses different words than I do, where I can hear someone's language coming through in the way that they could say it. So ideas of standard might need to get rethought, particularly ideas of standard English. So I'd love to hear what shows up for you around this episode. I may get some pushback and I'm okay with that. I'm up for some healthy dialogue around this. And As always, make sure you are sharing these episodes, doing a screenshot, tagging me on Instagram at Shana Hartman underscore, and make sure you're connecting. If this is the time that you want to dive deeper into how to get your message out in the only way that you can do it, then definitely reach out because I want to support you. This is the year that you should write your book. So go ahead and connect with me over on Instagram at Shana Hartman underscore so we can get started today. Hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to talking to you next time. Take care. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of The Written Compass. If you are loving this content, then please share this episode and tag me on Instagram at Shana Hartman underscore. And if you're wondering how you can implement the ideas I share here and really begin creating your amazing book, I want to connect with you even more. Head over to shanahartman.com slash the written compass to learn even more about not only writing your book, but truly experiencing your words. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.